test one two one two test one two this is uncle hokage your otaku uncle thank you for listening to the podcast once more and thank you for sitting down with uncle hokage's anime podcast How's everybody doing today? I am doing particularly well. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week, a fantastic month, a fantastic year. We are in about the third quarter, and we're about to get into the last jump of 2019. That's what they call the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter push. So if you don't know exactly what you want to buy for Black Friday, now is the time to start thinking about it. I think I have to get myself a television. That's one of those things too where I've been using the same TV. My girl and I, we have the same TV and we've had it for... Oh, I don't even know how long. Six years. The TV that I was using, uh, the smaller one, I originally bought it to be the computer monitor. So it was pretty large for computer monitor at the time. It was like 32 uh, inches or something like that. So as I was using it, uh, certain games, you had to have a really powerful machine to play them on Ultra on that monitor, which I didn't realize that was going to be the case when I first bought it. But uh, now I want some sort of like massive, monster, crazy, giant-sized television that I can kind of put up and enjoy and watch as much anime as I want want. So if you've been listening to some of the episodes, you'll notice that the podcast is starting to get a little, we're getting a little steam here. We've been going through a lot of really cool manga, a lot of uh, recent stuff, a lot of classic stuff. I have been going through Hunter Hunter, my favorite manga of all time, and been doing a Hunter Hunter talk through, which is what I think I'm going to call them from now on. Not quite a walkthrough, not kind of talk, but we are kind of like discussing through the entirety of the series, my, my thoughts, my feelings, my hopes, my dreams, what I feel is the most powerful, what I feel is the least powerful, so forth and so on. So to kind of continue that, I wanted to really talk about uh, one of the anime that's very popular. And I, I do mean anime because I've read quite a bit of this manga, but I feel the manga doesn't fully do it justice. It does, but it doesn't. And that's because of the subject matter. That's because of how lively and colorful everything is. And it's not like it's a big surprise, uh, what I'm about to say, because you've all read the episode title, but I still believe in a little bit of buildup. So I am, of course, talking about the hit series Food Wars, also known as Shokugeki no Soma. Shokugeki no Soma is one of Shonen Jump's most popular series is. Now, there was a time in my life where one of my buddies back in college, he was introducing to me to some anime that when you first start kind of getting into anime, you don't even think about these type of shows. You get into it, especially as a boy, uh, for the martial arts, for the fighting, for the crazy powers, for the, the the giant robots and stuff like that. That's really what you're getting into uh, when you, or what you think of, I should say, when you get into anime. Like I was watching Gundam Wing, uh, and even the shows I didn't watch, 
I got like Big O. I didn't watch Big O, but when I saw the giant steampunk robot, I got it. I understood why that could and really should exist as a series. So that was one of the best shows. Um, excuse me. That was one of the best uh, times of life, and because that, your my my sentiments and my ideas about what anime was supposed to be solidified around that whole. It's either fighting or effing. It's either love or or war. But he really fed me some other interesting um, interesting shows. So. When he first started just showing me anime, 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 one of the first ones was Hakaru no Go, which is also in the Shonen Jump line. And uh, if you're a fan of Death Note, you'll notice that it's the same um, mangaka. I think it's the same artist. I don't know if it's the same writer, but he created one of the best series ever. And I was watching it, and I was like, I, but it's about, it's about Go. Why am I so invested but I was. I watched the hell out of Hikaru no Go. I found it to be fascinating. I found it to be lively. <coughs> I found it to be enthralling. I had to give myself a little bit of water there, folks. But that wasn't what I considered to be typical anime. So then uh, there was that, and then he was trying to get me into uh, Prince of uh, Tennis, and it took me a little bit to get into Prince of Tennis, but once I got in there, I was in there, but he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in this kick where I'm watching anime that's not typical anime, where he was watching these shows that weren't the typical fighting, loving, romance, harem, rom-com stuff that was so, I guess, stereotypical with all the other genres, and so he was watching these new ones. And he would feed them to me, and we'd laugh, and we'd joke, and everything, and we had a great time. And then there was one that he sent my way, and I think I've only seen one episode of it, because that was all that there was at the time. But I remember watching it, and I remember really enjoying it and wishing I had more, but I never sought it out once I had more uh, ability to watch anime like I do now. But it was called Cooking Master Boy. That was the first cooking anime that I ever really watched, that I ever really enjoyed, that I ever really appreciated. So when watching Cooking Master Boy, one of the things that I did was I at first I questioned it. That show was it wasn't anything that I was expecting or really seeking out or really wanting. I didn't really like say, man, I'd love to see some sort of anime that's about cooking. But I watched it anyway because I came from the old school of that was all we had. It's like when email first came around and you got an email, you opened that email because you only got six. I only had like four shows, so I watched whatever was in front of me. That's how I ended up finding some really weird, obscure titles. But that's also how I ended up watching some really boring titles that I probably didn't appreciate. I didn't really like them. I just wanted to watch the genre. I wanted to watch that anime. I wanted that vibe. Um, but this one I like. 
it was about a young boy, I believe in, uh, and I'm going to screw this up terribly, but he was in uh, ancient China and he had to do some sort of cooking competition for uh, one of the royals. I believe maybe he was one of the lords of the land and he had serfs and he had servants and people came around to cook for him and that's where he would like, he'd give you a thumbs up or he'd give you a thumbs down and that's where he got his pleasure from. So there was this whole backstory set up where there's this guy, he's hard to please, but he appreciates really good cooking. And there's a boy who's coming from you know, he's the hero, right? So he's plucky, he, he's uh, charismatic, and he's coming from the rural, more impoverished areas. And he's fighting against this crazed, evil, rude chef who hates the common man and he's like a terrible person and, uh, you know, all that kind of nonsense, right? So they have a... Um, a little cooking tournament. Now, I can't exactly remember what it is that they are trying uh, to accomplish. My memory is a little bit fuzzy. I don't remember the exact dishes, but I remember just the creativity in how they really explained the story, how they told things, and how they were able to kind of connect me through it, through my mind, because they gave me, they fed me information. Uh, you know how it goes. The one guy, he's a terrible person, but he's a good cook. The king likes his dish. The boy has to really impress the king. No one thinks he will. But then he cooks something so amazing and spectacular that the the evil bad chef is shamed and the Lord wants him to be his own personal chef. But it's just the start of his journey. But one thing that stuck out with me is... In his dish, the king is eating it, and he's like, I don't understand. It's so light, and it's so springy. How is this so tender? And he's eating the, 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 the beef. He's eating and eating it, and then he goes, wait a minute. I figured out the secret. And that's the best part. It's like Detective Conan. There's a secret behind what he is cooking. It's not just the dish. It's subterfuge. It's, it's almost like solving, um, solving a, a murder mystery, but it's almost like creating a mystery to be solved is that kind of backwards opposite end with these cooking shows. And what he did is he was able to present a dish that met the standards where the entree was super tender, moist, but he used an ingredient that peasants can use. Instead of meat, because they couldn't afford it, he used beans and cooked them in a style to where they mimicked meat. And he said to the king, or not the king, the lord and the bad chef and the audience, that when you're out in the fields all day, you can't... Uh, not be nourished. And at the same time, you also have to be able to afford what you're needing to eat. So as is the saying where I come from, beans are the meat of the field. And I tell you what, guys, that stuck with me for years. I'd be sitting eating my like refried beans or my baked beans. And in my mind, I'm thinking beans are meat of the field. And that's the 
power of these cooking shows is that you can relate to them on every level because they do something in these shows that we do every day. Eat. You eat, you taste, you sample, you sniff, you observe, you drink, you pair, and you're able to formulate and create your own opinions very fast. That's one of the reasons why cooking competition shows are so great for television is because you can see the progress. You can see the amount of effort and energy and style that the person put into the dish, and then you can visualize and imagine how it tastes. And when the judges go, oh, when Gordon Ramsay is like, oh, it's so delicious, we believe him because we can see, we, we can taste and sample with our eyes and we can uh, fill in the blanks with our imagination. And that is one of the reasons why Food Wars, Shokugeki no Shoma, no Soma, is one of my favorite new series for me. Now, they're about three seasons out on Crunchyroll. I want to talk about the first season because I finished it. Really, I finished it last night, but I fell asleep during the last like 10 minutes. Uh, fell asleep on the couch, went up, got, went to bed, and then I watched the ending again when I got home from work today. And I've read beyond this, so I know a little bit what is going to happen, some of what's coming up. But this is one of those manga where I feel like the story sticks with you better when you can watch it. And the reason for that is because the animators, the storytellers, the director, they do a really good job of bringing the story to life and establishing it in a way to where it's not only, um, not only, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's not only, um, not honest, you know where you are, um, you're, honoring the subject material. It's not only, this is driving me crazy. I hate when that happens. Don't you hate when that happens when you have the word on the tip of your tongue and then it just vanishes like, like smoke, like right in front of your eyes. Anyways, it really honors the subject. Uh, it's really faithful. Ooh, thank you. It's faithful to the subject matter. Uh, so subject matter is the manga. It follows it to a T, which most mangas do, some, which most animes do, some do not. Sometimes they take their own paces. Sometimes if it's really long form and they just need a weekly show, like Naruto, they'll make their own filler episodes. But Shokugeki no, Shoma, no Soma is able to kind of move at the pace of the, the story. So, so far, it's great. Uh, and one of the things that I love is how they bring to life all of the things on paper that may or may not have been amazing. All the little gags, all the little chibi animations, all the reactions. They actually make me um, laugh more in the anime than they do in the manga. In the manga, sometimes I find them to be silly. But in the anime, they because they 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 almost like breathe, they almost expand, hold, 
and then add a little something at the end. And then it makes me really, really, really chuckle. I've, I've been uh, appreciating some of the more ridiculous reactions more and more. Um, and I got plenty to say on that. But let's get into kind of what the story is about. And I've got my, I've got my uh, character list up. I always try to have on... Um, fandom.com they have a lot of the different anime and manga which is with uh, things broken down in terms of like where you can go to the media where there's different communities where there are character descriptions and stuff like that um i always have to help myself out with character names because it's like i recognize them but watching thousands and thousands of episodes of different shows it's really easy to forget uh, characters off the top of your head. So I tried to be a little a little bit prepared. Um, so, okay. This is a story of really of battle. And I think that's where the cool part is. It's right in the title, Food Wars. It's not just about making great dishes, but they shonen it up. It's a never-ending uh, tournament, never-ending fights but the fights are all, involved, are all involving food. So the way that it really starts is it starts through uh, the character, uh, the main character, Yukihara Soma. Now, he is the son of a diner owner. He has a, a, a really fantastic diner in this typical everyday, not super high-end, not super low-end, but just a neighborhood uh, district. And his father is the head chef, and it's just been him and his father growing up. So ever since he was little, his father has had him help in the kitchen. He's held a knife since he was very, very small. And he's been helping in his father's restaurant uh, since they were a kid. And I believe the restaurant is called Yukihara Diner, but I'm sure that that's wrong because I'm saying it off the top of my head. That's how it is. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. So, Yukihara, one day, his dad says, okay, I'm going to send you to this elite school of chefs. You want to be a great chef. You want to be a better chef than me. Well, you need to go and prove it. Um, so, he sends, him, he sends him to this prestigious elite academy where only the best of the best of the best of the best kind of compete. It's one of those places where, you know how there's like those elite private schools in uh, the States and there's the elite colleges and so forth. It's like an elite private school that's essentially based on merit eventually, but in the beginning, it's a lot of it is based on like uh, your prestige, where you came from, who, whom you uh, were taught by, so forth and so on. And the way the school is, is established is that you get in early, and then as you're growing up, you learn to cook. Now, every year, the school will set up a test 
And in the test, you will then have to go and prepare a dish for whomever is judging the test. And that's basically how it goes. So Yukihara Soma, he's tasked with, okay, I'm going to try out this school. My dad says that's where I need to go to become a really good chef. So he goes and he decides, I'm going to take this test. And this is where the story gets kind of uh, fun. Because this is a Shonen Jump series, there has to be that knowledge in the back of your mind. Now, in the Shonen Jump series, there's two type of protagonists. There's this super capable protagonist whom is very confident and he's very kind. And that's where you have your Goku. It's where you have your Luffy's. It's where you have your Gon. It's where you have, oh... Kurosaki Ichigo. But then there are other kinds where they are, they mean well, they work hard, but they're not that likable to the rest of the world where people always dis, uh, dis, disrespect them, they put them down, they assume that they're less than, and we're talking about Naruto's, uh, we're talking about... Um, who's the boy from Black Clover? I haven't watched that one fully, but I know he starts out where he is seen as less than. He doesn't have any magic power in that world, and everybody has magic power. Um, but th those are kind of like the two parallels. And usually in your shonen, you're going to find more of the capable ones because the, the young men, they want to have that kind of hero fantasy where they can pretend like that's them and they're going on adventures and such. And you find more of the bumbling one who has to earn his his uh, stripes, and eventually people can come around in more of the harem genre, or the romance genre, or sports genres. You want to see the growth, but then you do occasionally see the um, Prince of Tennis, where uh, Echiro. Uh, Aizen. He is of the more capable type, but there's still room for growth, but he's really capable. Um, a robot laser beam, same thing. So Soma is one of the capable types. He walks in and he's unfazed because he's prepared. So he goes into the test and the person giving the test is Nakira Erina. Unbeknownst to him, this person is very well known. She strolls in wearing a school uniform with her attendants behind her. And as she enters, she says, hi, transfer, potential transfer students, welcome to the test that you are about to take. So in order for you to be accepted into this institution, you must try to make me one dish. If I accept that dish, then you get accepted into this school. Simple enough. She says, your dish must be around this theme of an egg. You can make anything you want, but the main feature has to be the egg. And everybody takes off running. <laughs> everybody is terrified. They're terrified of this girl. They, they run. They, they scream out the room. And Soma, he's like, what's going on? And they're like, you don't know who this is? This is Nakira Arena. She has what they call the God's tongue. 
Now, that's what's so cool about this show is because it is a, it's a shonen show through and through. There's, even though it's about cooking, <laughs> there's still people with special abilities and special powers. And that's kind of the same thing when you have like a Prince of Tennis. It's basically magic tennis after a while. People have special abilities and special powers that they gain through hard work. But they're doing stuff that no human being on the planet can really do. Um, it's the same for her. Her tongue is so, uh, her palate is so pure and perfect and susceptible. She can pinpoint any delicacy. She can find any flaw. She can um, make or break different artists, uh, uh, chefs' careers with her ability. And that is basically what everyone's afraid of. And they're like, if she tries your food, there is a 80% chance she's going to hate it and a 10% chance she's going to tolerate it and a 5% chance she may like it, but you're still not getting in. So there's that really small, rare 5% or less that you're getting admitted to the school. And because they are all pampered, they leave. They run away scared. And it's funny too, because the one character who they placed inside the episode as the contrast to uh, Yukihira, Yukihara is it's this really prissy, prestigious looking kid. He's sitting on the bench and he's talking to him and they were going back and forth. He's like, oh, it's great. You're transferring. And he was like, so what restaurant, what chain do you guys have? He's like, oh, I have a local diner with my dad. And then the kid kicks him off the bench and he's like, peasant, how dare you sit on the bench next to me? Like this snooty, over-the-top ridiculousness with his um, highbrow nature. And obviously that's what you do in like the Shonen series. You make things ridiculous. You make them highbrow. You make them a little bit over-the-top just to kind of like bring in that type of you know, contrast. It makes it easier to hate and it makes it easier to cheer when the guy runs away scared uh, because he can't buy his way into the institution. So everyone leaves. Uh, Arina runs, looks around says, good. Now no one who is unworthy will be able to get in our school. So you already don't like her. She's a snot. But the faithful protagonist, Soma-kun, he says, oh, good. So I can make anything as long as I'm using eggs? And she freaks out. And, he, and she's like, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. So she obviously has already written him off. She wrote, writes him off, as most characters do. And that's kind of the nature of the show. But we know, and we feel the tension. We know that this is, this is the genre. This is Shonen Jump. This is the shonen protagonist, so he's going to have a trick up his sleeve. And what's brilliant about it is they always make them unassuming. So how do they do it? So he makes his dish. Erina has the god tongue. She is the greatest taster in the history of the food world. People come from all miles around from the time when she was a baby having her try their dishes. And if she said, oh, it's pretty good, so-so, they would fall to their knees and praise because they didn't disappoint her. Because that's what it is. She can t taste any tiny flaw. So if she says it's good to any degree, then that means it's a really good dish because she really knows the purity of everything and the tiniest imperfections. She can pinpoint exactly how things kind of are incorrect 
in your cooking. So that's why everyone was afraid because it's hard enough to get into the school and they happened to pick the toughest judge out of all the students they could think of. It's crazy. So he makes like an egg on rice dish <laughs> and he brings it to her and she's like pissed off. She's pissed because she only eats the finest dishes and she was like basically about to fail him. But he was like, you got to try it. So she takes a bite and then we have our first reaction. Her mind is basically saying no, but her body her body is saying yes. Yes, she loved his dish. It shows in her expression. It shows in how the, 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 the cool, okay, the reactions. So before I get into them more in a more elaborate manner, what the reaction is, is it's a way to kind of add a little like a little humor, a little itchiness to the show where it makes you kind of laugh that how they're affected is almost expressed in these funny little moments. I think that was popularized first in Yakitake Japan, which is another cooking anime about a kid who is trying to make the best bread that he was going to call Japan. Like Pan, it means bread, it's a pun, Japan. So he's like, there's French bread, there's English bread, there's um, uh, Irish bread, but there is no national bread for Japan. So he's been experimenting all his life, and all he's trying to do is figure out how he can make the best Japan to represent the nation. Well, after maybe the midpoint of, the, of that manga, all of the judges started having these ridiculous and extreme reactions to all of the food. And the reactions became so elaborate, they'd start expanding multiple chapters. There was one where there was like a hostage situation and like the, host the, the, the bank robbers came in and took people hostage for two or three chapters. But then the last bank robber was actually the judge and he liked the bread that, like it was, it was ridiculous. It was stupid after a point. But... What this show did is it took those and it found a way to uh, incorporate them in almost like funny ways. So if in a couple of like 10, 15 second clips, it shows how the food makes them feel like it might erase the world around them and it feels like they're standing in the middle of, in the, of, the middle of a beautiful forest. They might feel like they're being submerged underwater because they eat like a seafood dish and they're being greeted by mermaids and stuff. Or it might feel like they're getting uh, molested by tentacles. <laughs> like, whatever the sentiment is, whatever the feeling is, they express it in these really uh, funny or sometimes a little bit ridiculous ways. But I didn't like them as much in the manga as I do in the anime, which is kind of funny. But uh, they can be a little embarrassing if, if, if you're watching it and you're just hearing these like high-pitched like groans and moans and stuff uh, as you're just really just watching a cooking show. But it was this dish, it warmed her up. It made her feel like he was rubbing all over her. It made her embarrassed. And he was like, gotcha. You hated me. You talked down to me. You hated the fact that I'm a peasant. You hated everything. You're the princess. I'm the peasant. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the sentiment is that the, um, 
the whoever the main character is poor, the object of their eventual affection, which I'm assuming they're going to do, uh, Naki, uh, Nakira Arena, she's rich. Um, and it works both with male characters and with female characters. Females want a prince, male want a princess for whatever reason. We want that money attached. But he lets, she lets it all out. And then he says, so, is it delicious? And she shouts, it's disgusting, and runs out. And he can't believe it. He fails. And then he leaves. But as he leaves, you, the camera pans behind this other side of the wall where there's an old man with the spiky hair, like an old, wise karate guru, leaning against the wall. And he just smirks and smiles. Now, the implication is that he goes and he tastes the dish. And he does in the manga. In the anime, he doesn't. But he has his own little twinkle in his eye, and we know something else happened. So, later on... Um, they have the school opening ceremony and all of the new students come to the forefront. And there's thousands and thousands of students uh, on the lawn and the principal, that old man, the headmaster, the Dumbledore of this world, he walks forward and he gives a very rousing speech talking about how this school is not for the weak. This school is not for those who can't keep up. This is where you are going to hone your skills when it comes to cooking and you must be prideful. Only the top 1% are actually going to graduate and the yes the rest of you are a whetstone to sharpen them and their knives they are the chosen but the chosen could be any of you and i am talking to you and he points out the audience and everyone gets hyped up and they say now we're going to talk to the freshman representative Nakira Arena and everyone is in awe she walks out on stage and everyone is like oh it's the God tongue. She's amazing. Oh my God, she's incredible. And she walks out on stage and she gives her speech. And everyone is like, yes, that's our representative. She's the first, uh, she's the, one of the most revered chefs already and she's a freshman, first year in this school, in this high school. And then as she's going backstage, she's like, perfect. And that just goes to show that that other guy, uh, Yukihara, she doesn't say his name, but he didn't deserve to be here. I have to keep this school pure. And then they said, and now we're going to have a speech from our one transfer student, Yukihira Soma. And she's like, huh? So there's a transfer student. Oh, someone passed in one of the other tests. So... <laughs> He walks out on stage and he's like, mush, mush, and she loses it. She's pissed. She's like, what happened? How did he get in? He snuck in. He gives his stage and he says, calmly walks up and he says, hi, everybody. Well, um, so I don't have much to say, but I don't plan on losing to any of you who have never been on the front lines and cooked for customers. So I'm going to defeat you all and I am the greatest and screw you guys and bow down and I am going to take over the school. And everybody loses their minds. They boo him, they yell, they shout at him and he walks off stage oblivious to it all because he legit 
does not care. He doesn't care. And I think that's where the admiration comes in. He's confident in his abilities. He's kind with others. And if you talk noise to him, he doesn't get nervous like we do. He's not afraid like we are. He's confident. And he just walks and carries himself in a way that you have to respect. And then when he comes off stage, he sees Erina. He's not even mad. He just talks to her. He's like, hey, he's like, if you like my food, you should have said, you should have said so. He's like, man, I was nervous. And she's like, I didn't. I didn't like your food. Why are you here? And he's like, what are you talking about? I got an acceptance letter. He pulls out of his pocket. He's like, wouldn't you show up if you got an acceptance letter? And thus the story starts. The implication is that the old principal gave it to him because even though Arena was denied him entry, denied him, even though his food was excellent, true talent cannot be denied. And that is the nature of the institution and the school. And she is completely irrational when it comes to him. So that's how the story starts. And I think that's one of my favorite starts to a story, which is kind of what I wanted to stretch out and kind of give a little bit of the briefness of the first episode. I didn't give my spoiler warning because I have it in the title that we're going to be talking about season one, but I'm going to kind of skip through most of season one, the highlights, the cool parts, the bits I liked, because I think that this it needs to be appreciated. It's one of the most interesting shows I've watched in a while. It's inspiring. And I actually had some fun uh, trying out one of the recipes in the series. So as it kind of starts, he gets accepted and then he has to go to the dorms, the Polar Star dorms. And I like the idea of the Polar Star dorms. It's this notion that in this elite academy, it is a dormed environment, so everybody kind of has to live on campus. Everybody has, they go, to, they go to school there, they learn to cook there, and then they live either in a house, an apartment, a dormitory. Well, he's somewhere out in the outskirts, and he has to walk several miles up this massive canvas to get there. It's cold, it's late at night, and when he gets there, he has to cook, or she won't let him in. And they have a really good um, first like cooking challenge. And then when he starts to meet the other students, one of the other students, the, the, the weird personalities, they come to the forefront. You know, there is, um, oh, I skipped the bit. I skipped the first part where we really get to see him cook in class. Um, I'll come back to it because I feel like that's really fun as well. But... There's the other characters that he gets to meet from the Polar Star dorms. I actually went on to read those character names off because I think that they are awesome. Um, and I'll give slight opinions on them. There's Megumi. Uh, no, no. I'm going to say it correctly. There's Tadokori Megumi. There's Sakaki. Uh, uh, well, let me do that like this. Megumi is the shy, awkward one. She doesn't believe in herself. Long blue hair, big eyes. Really uh, that kind of soft, friendly... Um, kind person that everyone walks all over, but talented. Sakaki Ryoko, she's kind of the one that's always like, you never imagine her being extreme. She's really laid back and really mature. There's Yoshino Yuki, the opposite, 
the young, youngish minded one, really uh, bright and bubbly, really kind of immature, but kind of keeping things fun. There's Maori Zenji, and he's the one who they always go to his room and party and mess it up and drink juice. <laughs> and uh, he's always like, why are you in my room? Really great Maison Koku shout out, whether intentional or not. And Aoki Daigo and Sato Shoji are the two guys who are always loud and yelling and fighting inside his room. We don't know much about their cooking ability. There's Ibusaki Shun. Um, he has the, he's the character you never see his eyes. And there's Ishiki Satoshi. Now, those are the character names, but as far as what they do, Megumi is like the home style cook. Sakiki knows about like fermentation. Uh, Yoshina knows about games. She keeps animals in her room, like animal husbandry, ducks, pigs, chickens, um, lambs, <laughs> probably a cow. Um, Maru studies, 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 and he learns about the... Um, all the qualities and the extra nature of food. Uh, Ibusaki smokes, but you see what I'm getting at. They all have their own specialty. And then there's the head of the dorm, uh, Ishiki Satoshi, who is an exhibitionist slash nudist um, and one of the Elite Ten. But before we get to the Elite Ten, first we have the class. Now that Shoma's in, in the school, we get the first chance to do the cooking master boy moment where you have this super um, delicate palate that he has to impress. And everyone in the school is like coming down on him and Megumi. They have to cook together. They go so far as to ruin their dish and throw salt on it. But because he is uh, flexible in his thinking, creative, unwavered, uh, really impress, impressive, he finds a way to overcome the situation. He does this really cool thing where they're cooking this like meat dish, which I think is like a beef stroganoff, and it takes, it takes a while for it to cook. So you have to cook it for so long because the beef get, because the beef can get dry. So what they do is they uh, let it cook and they let it soak and they let it cook and they let it soak for a good amount of time. And how they mess him up is that they opened up his pot whilst they're watching it and they're just cooking diligently and they pour salt in it. Now, it becomes such a distraction and such a difficult thing because he's known to fail everybody. He's known to kind of uh, not look for any excuses. But being the flexible thinker that he is, what he does is he finds a way to give that high quality um, precision in the cooking in the short amount of time that the other students ruined. He adds honey to the meat to break it down faster so it's moist and tender. And the chef in charge he commends them. He saw what happens. He says, it seems like you had an accident in the kitchen, but you still somehow overcame. Very nice. Congratulations. But the other students, 
because they spent so much time focusing on Soma, the transfer student who's reckless. They ended up sabotaging their own work because they weren't paying attention and then they dropped salt on it. They screwed it up. And the, the, the crux is that it just established how good of a cook he is. Um, so you know that he's somebody to be reckoned with. He saves Megumi in this situation. But that kind of brings everything back around to the whole point of the show. The Shokugeki, the actual food battle. This is where the show comes into its own and becomes the shonen series that it's been meaning to be, that it is, that it always is and always will be. Now, what it is, is you can have a food battle with someone. That means you each cook a dish of a designated theme. Uh, they break it down like this. Um, when uh, Soma first has to cook for the number seven of the Elite Ten in his dorm, and the guy says, oh, that's great, you know, oh, we kind of tied, but it gets pointed out that he wasn't even really trying. He says there are, you can't just challenge somebody to a cook-off. It has to be done officially. There needs to be someone to, uh, to watch it. There needs to be an odd number of judges. There needs to be um, something on the line of equal value that can be wagered. And that is kind of where things, um, where things have to get uh, differentiated. And that's what makes everything so particular is that everything is outlined, everything is official, everything is structured. And that structure really elevates it beyond just like a simple scrap. When you put the parameters and you put the rules around things like that, it becomes worth more than the sum of its parts. It's not just cooking, it is an actual battle. So that is the heart and the soul of the series. It's people putting certain stakes on the line and their cooking is the determining factor. As long as they have those criteria, as long as they have witnesses, as long as they have a an odd number of judges uh, who can agree to say whether it's good or bad, who are honest with their opinions, and as long as they have a theme and the ability to cook, then they can basically wager anything. And that carries the series all throughout. So the first example we get is you get this uh, sumo club, and they... They've been cooking this traditional sumo style. I don't know if it's like a hot pot. I can't exactly remember what it is. Um, but Arina says that she's going to tear down that club so that she can expand the wing for her um, cooking facilities. Even though they have a long-standing history, she wants to tear it down and say, well, the school has no need for this. You know, it's very arrogant, very uh, self-involved, very prissy, stuff like that. Now... This is established to make us as viewers really dislike her character even more. When she's doing things to people for no other reason than the fact that she can, when she's strong-arming individuals and she's basically destroying their uh, individuality or their um, history on a whim, 
she becomes very unlikable. Now, I don't know if it's with other individuals who like her character. I can't stand her character. I think she's the worst. And I think it'd be the worst thing for Soma to end up with someone like her. But I know that they're going to throw some, uh, something in, in there to make us, to try and sway our opinion about her. But I think she's terrible. In fact, I don't care. But that's what they're doing. So it shows her, they're doing a little cooking competition and she obviously wins. I loved about it is the, is the reaction that they do show. And they're like, I don't understand. How did you get three votes? How did I get no votes? And she's like, well, let me taste your dish. So it shows her kind of, oh, this nice, tranquil field. She's walking, walking, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, train tracks <laughs> come down, and they start ringing and ringing and ringing, and then this giant hippo runs across, and there's more hippos and more hippos and more hippos. And that is the metaphor for how his dish tastes. It could be good, but there's so many heavy-handed flaws in it. She points out the cooking time was wrong, the fat content is incorrect, the salt content is wrong. She goes on and on, rattles off all this stuff, and just demoralizes him. And the second that he wins, on camera, they show his, um, I guess it's his clubhouse, being torn down by bulldozers for everyone in the stadium to see. That's what he bet. He bet his club and lost. So Erin is going around and she's finding clubs that she doesn't deem as worthy and she's destroying them through an official match. What she does is she finagles people and she cuts off their funding and slowly strangles them dry until they can't do anything. They, can't have, they don't have any funds. They can barely keep it going. So their only choice is to try and defeat her in a cooking match and hope that they win. But she's so good. They never do. That takes us to the first Shokugeki with our first with our main character Yukihara. So he's just going out and trying to find like a new club to join. He's just curious because you know there's the science club, gastronomy club, there's the food um, literature club. I'm assuming there's all these kinds based on different types of foods, but he doesn't know what to join, which one to join. So he's like, oh, this one's called the Dawn Club. Now, that's a new food substance for myself. What that is, it's a bowl with meat and some sort of other ingredients. I'm assuming meat, a rice, and then whatever else you want. And there's different varieties. Some probably have noodles. I'm not really sure, but I think it's just meat, rice, veggies, and whatever little flair that you want to do. So it's kind of cool because it's a club literally based around this one dish. Ariana doesn't think this club is worth it, so she's going to destroy it. But then one of her followers, uh, Mito, the meat master, says that she wants to do it on Ariana's behalf. She's going to destroy this club. Now, Ariana's already seen to have... She has a, uh, a follower, Hisako, Aruto Hisako, whom is the one that she um, is her servant. She follows Erina around. She's her handmaiden. She's her secretary. She's the one that makes sure that she's protected and does her bidding. But we learn that there are other girls or other cooks 
whom she has recognized. And the first one she introduces us to is Mito Ikumi. Ikumi has been um, an heir in his pocket for a while. She was raised as a prodigy, and she cares the most about meat. Her family actually owns uh, a very high-class meat processing butcher or uh, plant, something like that. But since a tender age, she's able to really tell the texture of meat. When it's cooked, she can tell by the touch, by the smell. She's a prodigy. So she's saying with her high-quality meat, she's going to win the Shokugeki against the Dawn Society. There's nothing they can do because she's using grade A5 meat, which is the best quality meat. And that is where things get interesting. So the best part about Shonen series is, is that the main characters can't just, they have to find ways to win. And if they do it in a clever way, it's exciting for us as a viewer. And I think that's the, beauty, the beautiful part about this series is that Soma finds ways to win using his brain, using his abilities, using his skill. And that's what is special about a cooking show because if you just had it where he just like yells at the at the bowl and it gets tastier like that's not going to be entertaining that's going to suck but he finds a way to win so she brings in this high class grade a5 the best beef you can possibly bring to this thing and he goes the opposite he finds himself the cheapest piece of beef and it's even better because it's on sale, half off. He said he got lucky. So when she's cooking her specialty dish, everyone is like, what? Are you kidding me? We have the best quality meat in the world, in Japan. And he's bringing us this low-class dish. Oh, my God. He's representing, and see, he's representing the Dawn Society that she's trying to demolish. And so... Arina is thinking, oh, awesome. I'm going to demoralize him and I'm going to get rid of this Dawn Society. But our protagonist did something very clever. When they ate his dish, they were like, the meat is so tender. The meat is so good. It's amazing. It's incredible. And of course it, of course it was. And of course their reactions are strong. And of course they loved it. And here's what he said. He took cheap steak and he turned it so tender that you could cut it without the use of a knife. Here's how he did it. He minced a bunch of onions. He took an entire onion, diced it into tiny, tiny, tiny pieces, covered the steak with onions, let it sit. The onions broke down the tendons of the steak to make it tender. Then he cooked the steak in a pan, pulled it out to rest, added onions, to the pan, let the, the same onions that he pulled off the steak, he added them to the pan, let those saute, deglazed the pan with a little red wine, and then he put that on top of rice, he put the steak on top of rice, and then the onions and the sauce on top of it, and he has a new tender dish. The meat blends with the rice, blends with the onions, blends with the topping, and he says, your meat dish was beautiful, the meat was perfect. The meat was tender. It was fantastic. It was amazing. But the dawn dish is about the whole bowl. It's about the entirety of the dish. 
it's not just the meat that matters. And that is why he wins. He cares about the entirety of the dish. He cares about the whole thing. He cares about everything. And that is the beautiful part of this series. And that's one of the reasons why I, I'm so amazed and I'm so impressed by everything that kind of goes into it. And that whole sense where she goes from being his enemy to being disgraced to being kind of infatuated because he likes her. He likes her dish. He's kind to her. And then she kind of becomes that first chip into, yeah, I'm on his team. She kind of likes him now. And so as her punishment, she agrees to join the Dawn Society. She agrees to join the entirety of everything. That's when she's able to get her first nickname from Soma. He starts calling her Mikumi, which is a nickname based on meat. She's the meat master. Um, kind of like pun intended a little bit. So that's the first real taste we get of the Shokugeki in person. And that kind of sets up the framework of the entirety of the series and how people put their hearts, souls, mind, and body on the line and order to achieve what they're trying to achieve. It's uh, the sentiment and the belief that they can achieve anything through their cuisine. And that's the beautiful part of it. So when she kind of gets defeated by Soma and she has to then, it's almost like it's a, it's a fallen warrior and that warrior now has respect for the other warrior because they defeated them in their arena. So realizing that there was something lacking in her cooking is going to help her elevate. And that's another beautiful thing about the type of protagonist like this is that they make characters around them better. They make them improve. They make them achieve. They make them rethink things. So... As the story continues, um, the show kind of expands and uh, we're able to see a little bit more from the characters and from the protagonists and things like that. Now, what happens in regards to the characters is that they have to do some additional things. In addition to just going through these shokugekis and through the battles and stuff like that. What they have to do is they now have to uh, do some actual school stuff. That's kind of the beautiful aspect of the series is that the show changes, it shifts, it improves, it goes beyond the expectations. And it almost has that, um, it almost has that sports drama type series. When I think about shows like Major or Oikiku Furikabe, they have the training camps and all of the students are tasked to go away into these training camps where they perform all these tasks and they learn more about the school and we get more in depth on what the shokugeki uh, kind of means. 
And so as the series progresses, we get to see a little bit more of the training camp. We see more specialties of the students. We see everybody put it on the line where Soma has to do a shokugeki with um, Megumi against one of the uh, the former number one seat of the Elite Ten who owns a French restaurant now, one of the alumni of the institution. But I like how the series expands on the characters. I like how the series adds in these additional personalities and kind of keeps them fresh. It kind of keeps them new. It kind of makes a balance of what could be for the main characters if they were to kind of continue on this cooking journey. So that's one of the things that um, is one of the highlights. The next highlight is then we finally get into the meat of the next bit where we have an actual tournament where you have multiple characters whom are going to be fighting on this larger stage. Now, I'm not gonna kind of break down the entirety of the larger stage because I've kind of given you my thoughts on the show. I think the series is top notch. I think it's one of the best. I think it's amazing. I think it's impressive. I love the main character. I love the side characters. And I actually do like the reactions, which I didn't think that I would. Part of me is the fact that I'm like, okay, I'm not, 12 or 14 or 15 anymore so just seeing like the inappropriate angles and like the wild screams and the girlish giggles and stuff like that doesn't really do anything for me anymore I kind of just want the cooking and I don't really want the porn that comes with it but at the same time they can be pretty funny when done in a in a in in an interesting way. I like the one reaction where the one stalker girl who's going after Arena, she's like this, portrayed as this witch character, but when the other girl's cooking is so pure and so healing, it almost like cures the curse and casts the bad vibes and energy out of her and so she becomes the Snow White version of herself. Uh, they did some cool things in the title card too where she was in there during the uh, theme song uh, and everyone is like inside this pool of her like dark, dark uh, muck mixture uh, but in that end of that one episode, it shows her and everyone's in a nice, light, bright broth. And it's the Snow White version of herself for at least one episode. I like the joking style. They do like the half chibi mix where they're not quite full chibi characters. But when they're being a bit silly, you have the moments of levity that really kind of relate and associate with all the characters. So I really like that. I like the aspect of the fact that all the characters are very pronounced. You have the Aldini character, whom he and his brother are from Italy. He kind of has that same prodigy status, but he, the restaurant owner, his uncle, I believe, says, He's good, but he's never going to grow because he doesn't have any rivals. And so from the beginning, he and um, Yukihara go at it, and he finds his rival, and he actually starts to grow as a cook. His brother is growing because he sees Aldini as his rival, and he's trying to improve beyond him. I like the fact that they 
whenever they introduce a new character, they s- introduce them by their specialty of cooking, how they go about processing food, how they think about food, why they all have that commonality, where they all love food, but at the same time, they all view it from a different angle. I really appreciate that. I think that's really, really cool. Um, and I like Erin's cousin, uh, Alice. I think she's a really likable, cool character. And I don't really know why. One, maybe it's because I like gastronomy. I'm not sure. But I just think the way that they have her be high class, but kind, talented, but not really mean. She's just like, oh, well, she's just kind of in her own world doing her own thing. Her sidekick, I guess, her secretary, quote unquote, he's super lethargic until he puts his headband on. He has that split personality, bloody nine thing going on, which is super cool too. So I really, really, really like the way that they portray it. I like the way that they put it together. And I think it's one of the coolest things about the series. So watching shows like this, at the same time, they do that thing really well where they allow you to really connect with the characters and who they are as human beings. It allows you to feel for them when they lose and when they win. And it really strikes home at the most base bits of our humanity, the the shame of failure, the, the fear that you're never going to live up to your, your relatives and parents' expectations, the longing to be seen, and that kind of final joy when people finally do recognize you for those qualities that you've been trying to show that you have all these times. There's a beautiful scene with Megumi during the preliminaries where she's finally recognized for the talent that she is and not for the klutz who is afraid and timid and shy that she often acts because she's just not comfortable in those environments. There's a great moment with... Um, with Soma where it shows how despite the fact that the odds are stacked against him and he's taking on an alumni and he doesn't have control of the cooking, he still was trying to win. And it shows who he is as a person. And it shows, it shows, it shows, which is the epitome of storytelling. It doesn't tell us these things. It shows us through the character's actions, through their behaviors, through how they are actually being. That is important. And I think that is why this show works. Because with these series is, the cooking can be the most spectacular thing in the world. But if I don't care about the characters, I don't care. The backstory where Soma has to go home and he has to try to create a dish in his hometown to save the restaurant district against this conglomerate, it's beautiful. You feel for these characters. And even the kind of ditzy older guy who can't quite compete, that's kind of funny, you feel for him. You even feel for the girl who's uh, basically in love with Yukihara when he goes back home. There is a lot that is added because we get the context of character. And that's what excites me about season two. So 
I'm going to be watching season two as soon as I possibly can. I'm going to watch the first episode probably tonight. The preliminaries are over. I know what's going to happen a little bit, but I want to see what's going to happen beyond that once we get into the actual tournament. How can we get the... uh, I'm looking forward to when they finally show the rest of the Elite 10. If you think that's a spoiler... You're crazy. They were bound to show the rest of the Elite Ten. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. I love the music. I love the theme song, at least in the ending. I didn't really love the opening as much, but I like it. the second one pretty good. I've kind of fallen out of, out of love with a lot of anime theme songs because I feel like they're so mundane. They're so repetitive. They're so typical, and I miss those really interesting themes. And Maybe I'll do a whole episode on some theme songs, and I'll play some as I'm talking about them, but for the most part, I miss the really good ones, but The ones that stick really stick. And I think this one has a lot of fun. There's so much that I can kind of say about this series. um, But I think that touches on my kind of like, this one kind of really tugs at my heartstrings in a lot of ways. It, It really makes me ponder my own existence. And it makes me ponder what am I doing with my passions? Am I putting enough effort in? Am I putting enough energy in? Am I really giving my moments to, sh- getting my moments to shine when I put in all of my effort and energy, energy and attention into certain things? That's what I'm talking about. And it makes you recognize that we each have that Yukihara Shoma Soma in all of us. We're just not all chefs. There are certain things that I do well, that you do well, that your friends do well. And if you can find that, that's really what's most important. And I think that's the lesson that this series is really teaching us. So I can't wait to watch season two. Um, Other than that, I want to thank you guys for listening to Uncle Hokage's anime podcast. Make sure every day you're waking up in anime, you're going to bed in JRPG, and you are just doing the things you want. Because if you could chase your passions, if you can do the things that you actually want on a daily basis, then you're already winning. Regardless of what anyone says, doesn't say, tries to tell you, tries to lie to you, believe yourself be who you are. Invest in your otaku selves because I know you're an otaku or at least you're flirting with the idea if you're listening to this series. So thanks for listening. Do me the solid favor of sharing this podcast with one other person that would make my day uh, while we get things ready. I'm working on the boutique. I'm working on the Instagram. I'm going to do some cool stuff with YouTube and hopefully we can get more guests on this podcast as well. So I'm Uncle Hokage, your O. Taku Uncle Q the music. Thank you.